Good to be with you this morning. I'm Briggs, and uh, my wife, Linda Briggs, is here with me. And uh, we have three kids, Emily, Lucas, Thomas. Uh, then we took in two kids in Latvia, uh, Monvids and Al. You were meeting in uh, a country church out in a cornfield somewhere. That was a long time ago. And uh, I think then the last time we were here, it was at a school. It's good to see you back in your home here. Um, I'm from Michigan. My wife's from Michigan. She's from Millington. I'm from a small town called Burt, Michigan. If you go uh, into the cornfield right here, and if you go northwest, you'll come out of the cornfield in Burt. And uh, I grew up there, small church, Burt Baptist Church, and um, went to a Christian school, Bridgeport Baptist Academy, and... Uh, Never thought I'd be a missionary. We used to have missionaries come visit our church. And uh, it was always interesting to hear where they would be serving. I remember they'd have interesting things on the table. The guys from the jungle had big beetles and formaldehyde and snake skins and all that stuff. And I, I always thought, wow, that, that's just an incredible thing to, to be able to be a missionary. But uh, I don't know who God calls to be missionary, but it's not me. I'm just ordinary Andy from Burt. And... Um, you know, God calls different kinds of people, different types of people. And uh, growing up, I always wanted to do something different anyway. I, I always thought I wanted to be a police officer. And uh, that was uh, my plan for my life. That's what I wanted to do. And uh, in high school, I joined the state police explorers and said, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is going to be good. Went to uh, Saginaw Valley State University, got a degree in criminal justice, and started looking for work in the uh, police department. Started looking around, and uh, as I was looking around, I still needed to earn some money and work. And my brother-in-law was working as the uh, ran an Orkin branch down in Westland, Michigan, in Wayne, Michigan. And he said, "Well, while you're looking, come work for me." And so Lynn and I we packed up, we moved down to uh, Wayne, Michigan, and uh, for a while I was the uh, the bug cop. And uh, it was it was you know, Lord Lord teaches us something everywhere we're at. And uh, he had a reason for us to be down there. And I remember Linda and I, we were going to look for a church. We had just gotten married. And we decided that we wanted to be in church as a married couple. We wanted to um, be married and be in church. And that's, that's how we wanted to have our life with uh, centered around Christ. We had no idea where to go. We started, we opened up, I opened up the yellow pages, found a church, Fairhaven Baptist Church, uh, Pastor Bob McDonald. I said, I know where that street is, Marquette. And so we went, this first church we visited, and the last one. We just felt that that's where God would have us to be. And uh, while we were in that church, uh, we had opportunity to serve the Lord. Uh, I grew up in church, but always as uh, someone who attended, someone who just kind of showed up and, and uh, received. In this church, they kind of gave us a place to start out and gave us a place to, uh, to serve the Lord. And it was in, uh, well, I sprayed for bugs church and uh, carpentering it and things like that that was a place I could serve but they also had me serving in children's church and uh, I had never taught a lesson or anything like that I didn't know how to teach but they had me down there as a kindergarten cop just kind of tap kids on the shoulder when they're when they're misbehaving freak them out a little bit get them to be quiet and uh, so I sat right down in the middle of all these kids and uh, but at the end they give an invitation and if one of the kids wanted to get saved, they'd raise their hand and they'd say, well, go with Mr. Andy. He'll show you how to get saved. 
and uh, that was that was awesome work. I mean, you go to church with a possibility there's a kid going to get saved today. He's going to that's not just going to change his life. That's going to change eternity. Who know how who knows how God's going to use that kid? And uh, I got to lead little kids to the Lord. And man, that that it was good. And I, it was the first time I, I really realized that serving God is is really good. And uh, they gave me more opportunities to serve here and there, sometimes with the youth group, sometimes in the senior meeting. And I finally got to the point in my Christian life. For a long time, I was afraid that God would call me to do something I didn't want to do. And uh, when I found out that serving God is actually good, and that that's the other half of the Christian life, I mean, that's where you find your joy. And I remember thinking, God, if, if you want me to serve you, I'll do it. God, whatever you want me to do, here's my life. Just take my life and use it. And uh, I can't think of anything better that I'd want to do. And then we had some more missionaries come visit our church. And now I graduated from college and an adult, and they'd come and talk about their work. And, and God just really touched my heart for missions. And he used those missionaries that visited to help me see that there's a world out there that needs the gospel. And someone needs to go. Someone needs to preach. And God put that in my heart. And uh, Lynn and I, we both, we surrendered. God, if that's what you'd have us to do, we'll do it. My pastor says, well, you should probably go to Bible school. I'm like, oh, I just, just finished college. And uh, so we went down. Uh, uh, he, he, he went to Arlington Baptist College. That's where we went. And it, it was down there. We met a, a man from Latvia who was going. Soviet Union had just fallen apart. Uh, my mom's from Latvia. We had the opportunity to go to Latvia on a survey trip. And God just put it in our heart. This is where we want you to be. This is where God wants us to be. And um, so we came back and we visited your church and along with many other churches and, and you guys were receptive and you guys also had a heart for it and um, had a desire to support us and so we were able to go. And I've, I've got a video, it's just a short video, it, it'll show you some pictures of, of what it looks like there and about the work and the people and about our call and uh, so we'll just go ahead and look at this video and then I'll, I'll be right back. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Latvia is a country in northeastern Europe with friendly neighbors Estonia and Lithuania to the north and south. Russia borders its eastern side, and for many years Latvia was under brutal Soviet control. My mother was born in Latvia, and her family fled communism after World War II. In the 90s, Latvia and her neighbors claimed independence as the Soviet system was collapsing. 
Shortly thereafter, our family arrived in Latvia to obey the Great Commission. I was to serve in the land my grandfather was forced to leave. God had given me the desire to preach the gospel in Latvia. My wife and I began by preparing for the ministry at Arlington Baptist College. After finishing, we were blessed with churches willing to support us financially and to pray. In 1997, the Fairhaven Baptist Church sent us out to Latvia. I was eager to preach, and my prayer was that God would open doors and provide opportunities, which he did. Early on, we would hold Bible classes along with Bible preaching. That work was blessed with people attending, hearing the word, and being saved. Eventually, a handful were baptized, and a church was established. Preaching is still the central part of our ministry in Latvia. It happens in the pulpit. Doors have been opened at schools, hospitals, prisons, and train stations. Our whole family has been involved in vacation Bible schools, Sunday schools, camps for kids, camps for families. Recently, we have found our way into the Internet by posting sermons and material online. The happiest time for me is when we get to baptize. Seeing the joy on the faces of those who are being obedient to Christ's command is priceless. Everyone present rejoices together in the work God has done in their hearts, and we are reminded of the work He has done in our own hearts. Salvation is a wonderful thing. Praise God for His grace. There have been many joyful moments as well as difficult times. Jesus has always been with us. We thank you for being with us in prayers and support. It is my hope that you find joy partnering together with us, fulfilling the Great Commission in Latvia. Now, in all this time, none of you have been called to Latvia? I'll be praying for you. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Father, I pray that you'll have your blessings on your word. Father, I pray that you will open our understanding. Father, I pray that you'll give, a, give us a heart to be obedient to what you have for us today. Father, I pray that if there's one here today that, that's never given their heart to you, that's never trusted you, Turn from their sins. Father, I pray that today you would open their heart and their eyes. Father, that you would give them faith. And Father, that they would trust you and be born again. Father, I pray that you would give us a heart to know your will. And Father, to do your will. And Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I had a friend of mine. Um, he was going to build a a house, and he wanted to do it efficiently as, as he could. He, he used to be a missionary, so, well, he's cheap, okay? 
And uh, what he did, he, he found a, one of these prefab buildings that they, mostly they use them for, uh, for sheds. But you can buy these prefab sheds that are almost big enough to live in. And he thought, ding, that's what I'm going to do. And so he bought this shed, the size of a small house, and uh, he was uh, asking them what kind of foundation it needed. And I told him, well, you know, you can get away with maybe clearing away some of the, the topsoil and putting limestone down. And uh, it'll sit on there, and it, it should do all right for you. And I don't know if they thought he wasn't going to order the biggest one or what, but that's what he decided he was going to do. And I don't think they knew he was going to live in it. Well, he got the limestone foundation set up, and the truck came, and they put it down, and, and they left, and that was quick, and that was easy. And uh, he decided, well, he's going to insulate the inside. He put the electric in it and put some plumbing in it and put some drywall on it and, and uh, started moving his stuff in. Well, a corner of the, the building started to sink. <sighs> but the guy said I could do it. It started to sink. So he went out there and started going to jack it up. And as he jacked it up, the roof buckled. And finally he understood, okay, I have to, I have to put a foundation in. And so he put a foundation in, and he paid someone to lift the building up, and they moved the building over, and set it on a foundation. Now it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's all good for him. And when I thought about that, this passage, of course, you may have already come to your mind what we're going to read today. Uh, this passage helps us to understand a little bit about foundations, but he's not talking about building today. He's talking about our life. Let's go ahead and read this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. This is the end of the Great Commission, uh, I'm not the Great Commission, I'm the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had just preached the best sermon that's ever been preached, ever will be preached. And uh, after he gives all of these instructions, all of this teaching, he gives these words. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Here we see two types of people. Jesus is helping us see a wise man and a foolish man. Two types of people. Uh, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And the foolish man built his house upon the sand. You already have that tune in your head, don't you? The wise man built it. Okay. Two types. But, you know, a little bit earlier, this passage of Scripture uh, also talks about two types of people, or two types of people, those that enter in at the narrow gate and those at the broad gate. Verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many be there which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So here there's also two types of people. Those that are heading for heaven 
and those that are having headed for destruction, for hell. The narrow way to heaven, the broad way to hell, the narrow gate to everlasting life, the broad gate, the wide gate that leads to destruction. Two types of people. It also talks in this passage a little bit earlier, it also talks about two types of trees. Trees that bear good fruit, trees that bear bad fruit. And now we're looking at two different foundations. So there's, there's really two different classifications of people here that Jesus wants us to point out. Which one are you? Have you trusted Christ as Savior? Are you on the, the narrow way? Have you turned from your sins? Have you, have you built your life on Jesus Christ? On faith and trust in Jesus Christ and then obeying His teachings. Obeying how He teaches us to live. Founded upon a rock. There's only two types of people. Let's look at verse 24 here. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Heareth these sayings of mine. Um, we, uh, we, we took in two orphans in Latvia. Monbeads and Ali said they were 14 and 15. And so, all in all, I raised uh, Linda, <laughs> Linda and I raised five teenagers. And there is a difference between hearing and listening. Um, teenagers go, yeah, 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 did you hear me? Yeah, 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 I heard you. And it went one ear and, and out the other. And it didn't affect anything that they did. But the sound waves went in and it hit their eardrum and it vibrated and then some nerves picked it up, but it didn't get all the way to the brain. And there are those that will hear God's word, but they're not listening to where it affects what they do. And Jesus here, he wants us to understand that there's a difference. We need to be the kind of hearers. And, and when we receive that instruction, it affects what we do. Heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. It's important. We don't want to just spin our wheels, filling our life doing but not doing God's will. Look at verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. We want to listen so that we can understand, so that we can do God's will. Now there's some listeners here today that may have been compelled to come and listen. Not all young people wake up every Sunday morning and come because they want to be there. Sometimes their parents compel them to be there. And I agree with that. There were days I didn't want to be in church. But my dad compelled me to be in church. Maybe there's a, a young person, maybe there's someone here today that's been compelled. Your parents said, you're going to go to church and you're going to listen. Maybe that's you today. Jesus talks about listening and hearing. 
were you doing this? Were you saying that was me? No, that wasn't. That wasn't. <laughs> There's other people here that may come and listen so that they can find fault. Sometimes it's like that in Latvia. I had a lady that would come to church and I'd preach in Latvian. And sometimes Latvian language just doesn't have the words that we need to have. So I'd make up words in Latvian. <laughs> they don't exist. But they make perfect sense. Everyone will agree. You can say that, but no one does. <laughs> and I had a lady back there on the back pages of her Bible. She had a glossary of Andy's sayings that don't exist. And every time I would say it, I'd be preaching. And I'd have my word that made perfect sense. Her face would just light up. And she'd flip to the back. She'd pull her pen out with a grin and write that word down. A whole list of them. Words that I'd made up. There's some people that come to church and they're not coming to listen to find out what God's will is for their life. They're listening for other reasons. There's people that read the Bible to find mistakes. And then there's some people that just listen, but they don't hear. Because when you come and listen, at least you look good doing it. Hey, I'm in church. I was in church. You didn't come to listen to hear so that you could understand God's will so that you could do it. But hey, you were in church. When you listen to God's word, as you read it, as you hear it preached, you need to listen so that you can find out what it is that God wants you to do. Otherwise, you'll be very busy doing things that aren't his will. A wise man listens and then he does. He obeys. He puts into practice what God has taught him in his will, in his word. I want to look, uh, there's a companion uh, verse to this in James. James chapter 1. Verse 21, we'll read 27. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive the, with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now Jesus, in our passage in Matthew, had just finished the Sermon on the Mount. And he put a lot of wonderful things in there for us to do. And he says to do these things. And James says we also need to listen and to do. 
And he gives us an example of things that, that we should do. Bridle our tongue. He talks about taking care of the fatherless. You know, maybe there's not an orphanage next to your house. I don't think there's any orphanages at all in Michigan. But maybe there's young people, children around you who are fatherless. Someone that could benefit from being together with you and your kids. That you could take camping. That you could bring to church. That you could send to camp. There's people all around us that that God would open the door for us to love and to minister to. Maybe it's not children. Maybe it's the widow that lives next door. That needs some attention. That could use some help. That could use some company. All these things we know that, yeah, these are ways that we can not just be hearers, but doers. To be unspotted by the world. Those things in our life that we know are sin and maybe they're pet sins and, and we need to get rid of those. Not just things that we should do, but we need to be hearers of the word and, and stay away from things that we shouldn't do. You don't need a PhD in theology. You don't need a doctorate to be successful, to be a successful Christian. You just need to do the things that you already know. We know that we need to forgive. We know that we need to love. We know that we need to give generously. We know that we need to be humble to turn the other cheek. We know that we need to be patient, to be pure, to put away the sin that's in our life, to, uh, like Jesus taught, to chop it off, to tear it out. We know that we need to be honest in business. We know that we need to be faithful in marriage. And Jesus says that we're wise to live this way. The world in many of these different cases may see it differently. Well, it's not always wise to be honest all the time. Well, we're not of the world. We belong to Jesus Christ. We're not building our house on sand. We're building our house on the rock. And when Jesus' commands and when His teaching differ from the world, we don't need to be surprised. We just need to be obedient to Christ because we're building our life, our lifestyle, our decisions on Him. And this is how you build a strong foundation in your life. And listen, it may cost you. Now, that friend of mine, he saved a bunch of money on that first foundation. I remember when we were building our church building in Latvia, they made us uh, build strictly to code. And we had, they, they're crazy over there. They build stuff. They, they went, they've been through World War I and World War II. Mortars, bombs, 
all of this stuff. So they, they think if you're going to build a, a building, it has to be able to withstand bombs. Our, uh, the walls are, are cement blocks that are this thick and re-rod and everything. And the foundation was incredible. We had to dig down to some solid ground and then we put in uh, stone and had it compacted and then poured huge footings and then poured cement walls and that foundation was this tall. I remember standing in there, just the foundation was this tall. And it, it, it was expensive. And then you know what we did? We buried it. And if you come to our church, you won't even see it. All that money. I mean, I had, we pitched like Noah, you know, pitch it with the inside and the outside so it was waterproof and all this. It's, it's cement. Yeah, waterproof it. Okay, we did all that. And then we buried it. And it was hard and it was expensive. And nobody really even sees it. You come visit, nobody says, wow, nice foundation. It's not, a, it's not appreciated. And it wasn't easy. What am I saying? Listen, being obedient to Christ isn't always easy. And sometimes it's expensive. It's going to cost you to always be honest. It may, it may cost you status in the world's eyes to live righteously. It, it, it may be uncomfortable Sometimes humility just isn't easy. But listen, you're building your life on a rock. And God sees it. And He knows it's there. And He appreciates what it costs. And it's for His glory. But listen, it's also for your good. Verse 25, it says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. See, it's wise to build upon a rock. It's wise to live righteous in this world. It's wise to read God's word, find out what he says, and then do it. Because, listen, the storms are coming. And when the storms come, it'll evaluate the foundation. It'll evaluate what you've been building your life on. Look at the words here. It talks about rain, floods, wind. <laughs> We're not immune to these things as Christians. Not at all. Let's look at real quick, Acts chapter 14, verse 22, what it tells us. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them in continuance in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Not a little, but much tribulation. Look it over in Philippians. Don't ever think, wow, I've got so many, so many trials in my life. Am I really saved? <laughs> that shouldn't be a cause for doubt. Philippians 1, 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. 
suffer for his sake. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Rain, floods, wind, they're coming to your house. And Jesus says you need to build your foundation on a rock, on him. By trusting him for salvation. And then be obedient to his word. And when you do that, you're laying a foundation so that when the rain comes, the flood comes, the wind comes, you're going to be able to stand. There's no free pass for Christians. You're going to be tested. You may, it may be through a job loss. It may be through losing a spouse. It may be rebellious children. It may be scorn. It may be sickness. It may be a death of someone close. Wind, rain, storms are going to come. And there's two types of foundations. And the one that is built on him, it stands the test. It's not destroyed. And this is a promise of God. Listen, it is worth building on Christ. It's a promise of God that when the storms come, you're going to stand. Because you're built on him. We're talking about being obedient to him. About trusting him. Repenting, trusting Him in faith, and then building your life through obedience to what He teaches. To have a life that's built on the rock. Two types of foundations, verse 26. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a, a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. A listener and not a doer. I hope that's not you. Sometimes we know a lot. Because we've been in church for a long time. And we have a lot of head knowledge. But we don't do what we know we should. We look good listening. Listen, both houses before the storms came probably looked the same. They probably look pretty good, sitting right next to each other, one next to the other. One house looks as good as the other. But the storm reveals who is just a hearer and who is a hearer and a doer of the word. And listen, there may be good weather today. And you may think that you can make shortcuts and build your life after your own understanding and in your own ways. But listen, there are gonna, storms are going to come. And it will be tested. And listen, you can't build a foundation in the rain. You can't build a foundation in the rain. There's a illustration from I read from 
uh, Chuck Swindoll. It was a really good illustration. Jesus' illustration here is the best about these two houses. But he gives an illustration that goes like this. There was a guy, he founded a company in America. The company did well. And uh, he had a staff, a home office, and he was looking to expand overseas. And so he decided that he was going to have to take his family and he was going to have to move to Europe to establish the affiliate company, establish things in Europe. So he had put everything in order at the home office. Everything's just chugging along great, ready to expand. He says, look, I've got to go to Europe. I'm leaving. I'll be in contact with you. I'll send you my instructions on what we need to do to keep everything in sync, everything chugging along. Goodbye. I'm leaving. I'll be gone for a while. And he takes off and he goes to Europe. And this company, I mean, it's his heart. It's, it's, it's his world. And he's, he's thinking about it all the time and he's writing letters. And he's writing letters back to the manager, the office manager back there. And he gets another idea and he writes a letter and he sends it back and he understands what's going to happen with this new affiliate and how it's going to merge with the one that's already there. And he's writing letters and he's sending it back. Sending letters on a regular basis. Now it's time for him to pack up from Europe. He's got things established, things rolling there. He's going to come back to the home base. He drives into work that morning. He pulls up and there's weeds growing up around the office. Thinking, what, what is going on here? And the, the, the windows are all dirty. There's one that's even cracked and they put tape on it. I mean, things are bad. He walks in, the secretary just sitting there. She's sitting there doing her nails, chewing gum. Not doing a thing. Phone's ringing. She's not answering. Hey, where, where's, the, where's the manager? Well, he's back with the sales manager playing chess down the hall. So he goes down there, and before he gets to the end of the hall, the manager comes out with the sales manager. He's like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're playing chess. Well, did you guys receive my letters? Oh, yeah. We got your letters. Well, well, what have you been doing? Well, we put your letters. If you go in the conference hall, they're... All the letters are taped up on the wall. And, and we read them every day. In, in fact, we've even, we've even underlined some of them. And, and the sales manager, he has, he has home groups where they get together and talk about your letters. We've received all your letters. They're precious to us. Well, what's going on in the office? Well, well, have you done anything in there? Done? <laughs> you see where I'm going with that, right? Jesus is coming back. And he's given us a letter. He's given us instructions. He showed, she's shown us how to build our life. And he's not waiting, he's not coming back to find people who are just hearers, but doers. The doing is the important part. Oh, we need to have knowledge. We need to understand what he wants us to do. And then we do it. We, we do what he tells us to do. Because it's wise. And we obey him because it's fitting. Listen, we don't obey him to earn our salvation. 
Salvation's a gift. It's by grace. And if you work for it, it's not a gift and it's not grace. We don't do. We don't obey so that we can be saved. To be saved, we just admit to God that we're sinners. And we're trusting Jesus Christ as Savior and we, we receive the gift through faith. It's free. But we do and we obey because it's wise. God is our creator. He knows what he's doing. And when he tells us, hey, don't do that. Okay. He tells us because it's a wise thing not to do that. And when he says, hey, do this. He tells us that because it's wise and it's right. And when the troubles come, we'll be safe. That's why we obey. We obey because it gives Him glory. It says, look, these people love me. These people trust me. They trust my wisdom. They trust that I have a plan for them. They trust that I know best. They trust that I am the Almighty God. And it brings God glory. And we obey because it's fitting. He loves us. He died for us. He paid the ransom for our sin on the cross. He suffered in our place. And it's only fitting that I would say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's fitting. Now let's take this all the way back to the Great Commission and even what Pastor said. You know, Jesus did call us all to be missionaries. He did. And we're all witnesses to his grace. We're all witnesses for the gospel. And I'm not saying this morning he's calling every single one of you to Latvia. That would be cool. But he is calling you somewhere. And I want to encourage you, read God's word. Spend time with God in his word. And say, God, show me what you would have me to do. And I'll do it. And you'll find out it's good. And you'll find out it's right. It's a wonderful thing to be a child of God. It's a wonderful thing to be a hearer and a doer. And if you've been stuck in just the hearer mode, break out of that. Get in God's word and say, God, show me what you would have me to do. And he may not start off by saying, okay, I want you to go to Latvia. He may start off by saying, okay, I want you to forgive your brother. He may start off by saying, I want you to go talk to your lonely neighbor. He may start off by saying, You find out. It's his word for you. Let's stand and pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you even think of us. You are the great 
the mighty sovereign creator of the universe. And you have, you have a word for us. And Father, that, that is just incredible. It's awesome. And Father, I pray that you would give us, each one of us, a heart, Father, to find your will and to do your will. Father, it's so exciting that you have something for each one of us. And Father, we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid to think that it's going to be something awful. But Lord, you know what's best. You're, you are trustworthy. Father, give us a heart to search your word. When we hear your word preached, when we read your word, Father, that we would have a heart to say, I want to be wise. I want to find out what God has for me so that I can do it. Lord, maybe there's here someone here today, they know. They know what they're supposed to do, and they haven't been doing it. Father, I pray that you would open their heart, their eyes to understand your wisdom. And Father, that it is wise to build their life on the rock, to follow and obey King Jesus. Father, speak to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. just a moment we're going to sing together a song of invitation and what I'd like to do is encourage you uh, as you sing out to the Lord let's put into practice what brother Andy just challenged us with that if you're here and you've heard the word of God preached this morning and you want to act on it then maybe this morning you'll step out and just take a moment in silent prayer between you and the Lord up front here just bowing a knee and saying Lord I know what you're calling me to do I'm going to surrender I'm going to stop fighting you and just follow through with what you're asking me to do. Maybe you're here and you would say, I don't know. I want to know what God wants me to do, but I don't, I don't think I know yet. Maybe you want to come and pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to me as I get into your word and as I get busy doing what I know you've led me to do, that you would show me what you have for me. Maybe you're here and you need to forgive that person. Start with the, the clear things. Whatever God is speaking to you about, would you just respond to him? Maybe as a mom or a dad, you want to come and pray, an individual, whatever it is, you would just come and bow a knee and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm tired of being just a, a listener, but I want to be a doer to your glory and to my blessing. And so whatever God is doing, would you respond to him as these guys lead us in a song of invitation? Don't think about it. Just respond as we answer his call in our lives.